Good evening. Now I can't start until I have my notes, otherwise. <laughs> Malcolm would be very happy. <laughs> See, I got my hair cut for the, for the occasion. <laughs> now, we'll be looking at practising um, self-control and uh, I thought I'd test this out on the way, on the way to church and uh, I'm not very controlled when it comes to coffee. And, um, and so I was thinking, oh, shall I go get a coffee? I had, I'd been quite a few times before, so I had a free one. And so I thought, shall I go, shan't I go? And as you might see by this coffee cup here, that I kind of didn't do too well. And I had a coffee before I came. And, uh, but it's all right, I've got a sticker on there, so I can um, put it towards my, my next coffee. <laughs> The title that I've given is um, Samson Brings the House Down. And as we come to the last judge who rescued the people of Israel, I'm afraid this is a sad story. It's no fairy tale. And it definitely isn't a happy ever after. Samson's not the judge to top all other judges. Let me bring you some good news. And you can follow me as I look um, at Hebrews 11, verses 32 to 34, if you've got a Bible. There's a spare one here if anyone needs one. So Hebrews 11, verses 32 to 34. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell you of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets. Through faith they conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, shut mouths of lions, quenched rage and fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength in weakness became mighty in battle, put foreign armies to flight. Let's face it, when we read the story of Samson, we don't expect him to be in heaven. Well, I wouldn't expect some of the things I've read about him that he would be in heaven. But the writer to the Hebrew tells us that he will be there. His name is on the list of those included in the Hall of Faith. And faith pleases God. As we read the list of achievements in Hebrews 11, it seems to point to Samson that by faith he gained strength in weakness. Samson was not at his best moment when he was standing between those two pillars with his eyes gouged out, being tormented by his Philistine captors who undoubtedly had him 
shackled in chains. This is really where Samson gained strength in his weakness. I start with this because as we look at Judges 16, we now know Samson came to faith in the end. And that, in spite of many flaws, he is one of those chosen to eternal life. Whatever else Samson was and did, he ended up in the hall of faith. This should encourage us to keep going to the end. We may have really flawed lives with a flicker of Christianity. So much promise, but so little action. But God can bring us to him in strength through our weaknesses. So we know how it finishes. Let's have a brief review of Samson's life. In chapter 13, we're introduced to Samson's parents. There the angel Lord appeared first to Manoah's wife, then to Manoah. The angel promised Manoah that although his wife was barren, she would give birth to a very special baby. This baby would be a Nazarite from conception. Samson's parents appeared to be godly people who sincerely desired to raise their son in the fear of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord began working in Samson's life sometime in his youth. But all the promise of a godly upright judge was soon dispelled as he desired to marry a Philistine woman. Those around him tried to air their objections. But Samson was determined to marry this woman. But his awaiting attempt turned into a horrible failure as his wife revealed the answer to a riddle we had set his wedding guests. So to repay them, he killed 30 Philistines to give his guests their clothing, which was their reward. This made Samson very angry as he went home. It must have taken a while to calm down, because by the time he returned, Samson's wife had run off to the best man, like a scene from Coronation Street, I said EastEnders, being from London, but Sarah said people might have more chance watching Coronation Street or Emmerdale or something like that <laughs> in the week, but um, I don't personally, so I don't know much about them. <laughs> in another rage, Samson set the farmland of the Philistines ablaze by the tails of 300 burning foxes. In retaliation, the Philistines burned Samson's wife and father-in-law to death. What a horrible chain of events. Could it get any worse? The answer is yes. Even his own people, the Israelites, had got fed up with Samson and they handed him over to the Philistines. They bound him in ropes so he could be captured so they could take care of him, probably kill him. But like one of those Bond films or superheroes, when you think there is no escape, Samson in pure strength breaks the ropes and strikes down his enemies with the jawbone of an ass. And that brings us to chapter 16, what we're going to look at in more detail. 
Let's turn to the first three verses. This is where, if you haven't got a Bible open, um, or you might need to turn um, back a bit. So it's Judges 16, verses 1 to 3. One day Samson went to Gaza, where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. The people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night, saying, at dawn we'll kill him. But Samson lay there only until the middle of the night. Then he got up, took hold of the doors of the city gate, together with the two posts, and tore them loose, bar and all. He lifted them onto his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Thank you, Charlie. He's not here, but I'll thank him anyway. I believe there's two unbelievable events that happened in these verses. First, Samson visited a lady of the night, as you might discreetly call her. How shameful this would have been, even in the culture of the day. A Nazarite, set apart by God, to go into a Philistine country to visit a lady who would make Samson unclean. This was bad in the locals' eyes, but to pollute God's name like this, undescribable. This is how far Samuel's moral, this is how far Samson's moral deterioration had gone. From waiting for his wife in chapter 14, which was a long drawn out process, to meeting this woman in an instance. Being hurt in one situation can lead into unthinkable reactions that can erode your beliefs. The second thing was Samson's unbelievable strength. His strength was not unbelievable as it had been given by God, but how he used this gift. I believe Samson used the gifts God had given him in selfish ways make himself look good rather than to glorify God as he should have been. You probably know what I'm going to ask. Maybe you don't. How do you use the gifts God, how do we use the gifts God has given us? Well, that would be my question. How my thinking was, oh, I think, oh, how do I use them? For his glory, or for us. A prayer we should pray each day is to ask God to give us pure hearts to serve him and to use his gifts to bring glory to God in all we do. Just read that again. A prayer we should pray each day is to ask God to give us pure hearts to serve him and to use his gifts to bring glory to God in all we do. So we come to the story of Samson and Delilah. 
Samson falls in love for the first time. And we see Samson has a weakness for Delilah. But Delilah has a weakness for lots of money. So the Philistines offer her more money than she's ever dreamed of to find out the secret of Samson's strength. You realise as the story unfolds that Samson thinks he's indestructible. So he plays with Delilah, surely knowing what she's up to. Delilah's approach is far from subtle. Tell me what makes you so strong and how you can be subdued and humiliated. You would think after the earlier experiences with his wife, his groomsman, and the riddle, one would think Samson would have wised up this woman's wiles. But Samson is not stupid. I don't even think he's love-struck. But he comes across very arrogant because he's always overcome the Philistines. He's always come out on top. But pride comes before a fall. Gradually with each confession, she gets closer and closer to the truth until Delilah uses one of the best-known blackmail one-liners. How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? Then she brings up the past. This is the third time you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your strength. Then we're told with such nagging she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. A bit like a dripping tap. Drip, drip, drip until you break. In desperation it seems for her to stop he tells her the whole truth. No razor has ever been used in my head because I'm a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head was shaved, my strength would leave me. So Samson sleeps in Delilah's arms. A barber comes in and shaves off the seven braids of his hair and immediately his strength leaves him. The sad reality is that Samson did not realise that his power had gone. When he was awoken by Delilah, Samson fully expected to shake off his bonds and have another laugh at Delilah and the Philistines at Spence. But the laughter was now on Samson. They captured him, gouged out his eyes and bound him with bronze chains. They put him to forced labour grinding their grain in prison. But in the midst of this tragic situation, the author supplies the readers with a faint word of hope. Sanson's hair began to grow back. Now the Philistines could have killed Samson, their great tormentor, but they wanted to make his pain and humiliation last as long as possible to show how great their god Dagon was compared to Israel's god Yahweh. So they had a great celebration in the temple. And they tied Samson as he stood underneath those supporting beams as they mocked and ridiculed him. But Samson had the last laugh. Come with me to verses 26 to 30. 
it'd be good to read these verses again because they're just great verses. Samson said to the servant who held his hands, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. O sovereign Lord, remember me. O God, please strengthen me just once more. And let me, with one blow, get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached towards the two pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple and the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. Those verses really show Samson's strength in his weakness. Some of the children Bible stories that you might have read when you were younger, if you're older than me, would paint Samson as a hero, especially in Judges 16. But the biblical account of Samson does not begin once upon a time and end with happily ever after. There's only one way to understand the story of Samson from a divine point of view. We dare not make Samson a hero, a man who serves as a model Christian. Samson's a man who illustrates the warnings of Scripture, particularly those we find in the book of Proverbs. He is a man who lived his life in pursuit of fleshly pleasures, a man who cared too little about God, about Israel, about his divinely given gifts and calling. Samson is a study in how not to live a Christian life. It would have been much better if it had gone for Samson if he had lived according to the warnings regarding women that were found in Proverbs 5 and 7 about about an adulterous woman. He should have looked for an Israelite wife. That was more like the description we find in Proverbs 31 a wife of noble character. She is worth more than rubies. A husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Samson lacks self-control all the way through his life, especially with the ladies even though God's spirit was with him. Any ounce of self-control went out the window until that final day when between the pillars he turned back to God in weakness and prayed to the Lord. Sovereign Lord, remember me. 
Please, God, strengthen me just once more. Let me, with one blow, get revenge on the Philistine for my two eyes. And he used his God-given strength to bring glory to Yahweh over the Philistine god, Dagon, and his followers. I'd like to spend a little bit of time thinking about how we can practice self-control. Now, I've been reading this book. By the time I've ordered it and it got here, it was a bit late because I didn't have much time to, to actually um, have a look at it. But there's a couple of bits I'm going to bring out from here in the next few moments. If you want to look at it, or this John Calvin, he does, they're only about each one, like six days, and it's just a page in a bit, and then a couple of questions. Um, They've got one on self-control and all the other eight fruits of the Spirit. Um, He's an American author, and the bits I've read have been really good, so... If um, you need a study guide at all, um, something in the morning, then um, worth getting hold of. I want to use the example of John the Baptist about self-control. John the Baptist's self-control took the form of rigorous self-denial. He lived in the wilderness where, when he could have lived in the town. He ate locusts and wild honey when he could have had a normal diet. He dressed in animal skins in an era when togas and tunics were common. Why? Because he understood who he was and what God had called him to do. But the godless form of his self-control came when he defined himself to the mob. They asked him who he was and at any one of the questioning points, he might have lied about who he was and taken the glory that belonged to Christ alone. But when they asked him their famous, are you questions, he answered with integrity and gave them honest answers. He pointed them to Jesus by saying, I am the voice of the one calling in the desert. Make straight the way of the Lord. John said very clearly that Jesus is the big deal, not him. John taught us all that self-control is, remembering who we are in relationship to Christ. Put Jesus first, not ourselves. So I had a little bit of a think about self-control, and why is self-control important? I came up with a few lines of what I kind of gathered from what I'd read. I think being self-control blesses us and we bless those we come into contact with as we are transformed to become more and more like Jesus Christ. Jesus showed the ultimate form of self-control when he went to the cross for us, when he could have easily preserved himself by leaving us to deal with our own sin, things that we've done wrong for a holy God. He is our saviour, an example of self-control. Also, I think being self-controlled keeps us alert and ready for Christ's return. We're reminded of this in the parable of the ten bridesmaids. And I'll finish by reading this parable. 
It's in Matthew 25, 1-13. But I'm going to read it um, from a different version. So you can listen, um, or you can have a look at the NIV, which you'll have in front of you. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of the ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. But only five of them were wise enough to fill their lamps with oil, while the other five were foolish and forgot. So when the bridegroom was delayed, they lay down to rest until midnight, when they were aroused by a shout, Bridegroom is coming! Come out and welcome him. All the girls jumped up and trimmed their lamps. Then the five who hadn't any oil begged the others to share with them, for their lamps were going out. But the others replied, We haven't enough. Go instead to the shops and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five returned, they stood outside calling, Sir, open the door for us. They came back, Go away, it's too late. So stay awake and be prepared. You do not know the date or the moment of my return. 